The Home Show with Sinead Ryan. With Colour Trend Paint on News Talk. Hello, and you're very welcome along to the latest edition of the Home Show podcast produced by News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, the June Bank holiday means one thing. Board Bia Bloom is back in the Phoenix Park. We'll be chatting to some well known faces in the worlds of gardening and food. The RHA Gallery is celebrating its 200th anniversary year and its director will be joining me in studio. And Jennifer Sheehan will be here talking about all things camping under the stars in your own back garden. If you'd like to get in touch with us, it is by email at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you can find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100 and I know lots of people like to get in touch with me there. Uh, but however you do, we would love to hear from you. Of course, we are in the June Bank holiday weekend and that means the Board Be a Bloom Festival is back in the Phoenix Park in Dublin. There's show-stopping gardens, delicious local food and tons of entertainment for young and old alike. Uh, they're expecting this year over 100,000 visitors, which is really extraordinary. And joining me later on will be chef and food writer Edward Hayden. Uh, but first, in studio with me is designer of one of this year's gardens, Joe Kelly. Uh, Joe, you're very welcome to The Home Show. Thank you very much, Ned. Now, tell us, congratulations, first of all, and tell us a little bit about your garden. It's called Out of This World. It is. Um, I'm in the, the small uh, garden category. My first time um, entering. And it's uh, the theme of it basically is a, a, a small cottage garden. Uh, and now, when you say small, what are we, what are we talking here? We're talking very small, seven by five, and that's in metres. So it's it's quite small. But still, uh, it takes a bit of thought to fill that up with plants and ideas. So it's a good starting point if you were to do something like this. So It's probably harder to do a small garden than it is to do a yeah, large Yeah, you have lawn. to focus, uh, to not to use every inch of space you have and not to waste it yeah. and to get to pack punch, basically. Yeah, yeah. so what, what punch have you packed with this one? Well, I don't know if I packed any. That'll be up to the people who are looking at it to, <laughs> to determine. But uh, my idea was to get up here, first of all. I've done that, thankfully. Uh, the planting is just nearly finished. Um, well, it's finished for now, actually, because we're, uh, we're, we're in it at the moment. And then you might have heard what happened, did you? I didn't. Well, Did tell you me. No, well, <laughs> my garden was, was, was pretty much finished. The fence was up. We have a lovely little picket fence around it. And by accident the other day, um, it was crash landed by a UFO. <laughs> you didn't I hear. heard. I heard that aliens had landed in the Bloom Festival. Well, they haven't they been spotted, but their craft is sitting in my garden. They think, and it's only speculation, that it was meant to land in uh, the Ors or Newcroat or somewhere in the Phoenix Park. But yes. it seemed to have overshot it. And, um, well... It's Indeed. in my garden now. And any sign of little green men out of a jet? Do you know, nothing's been spotted, but there's a lot of rumours going around that these people have actually been invited to talk on our on our planet or something. I don't know. We haven't seen them yet. We're, we're waiting for confirmation and all that. Right, so yeah. it really is out of this world. It's true, banner in my works, that's a, for sure. Yeah. A UFO in the middle of yeah. your country-style yeah. garden. And yeah. tell me, if the aliens were to emerge from the UFO, what kind of plants would they see around them? Uh, typical cottage plants, if they wouldn't stand them, I'd be very appreciative. Um, the names probably won't come to me now that I'm live on air, but they're they're typical soft purple, pinks and whites, mm. plenty like delphiniums and um, phlox, uh, sage, herbs. There's a little vegetable patch there as well, sweet oh, potatoes. Right, okay. We have a bit of everything just like you would have had back in the day. Yeah. This is a working garden for the, the consummate old 
I'd almost say English garden that we have that image of in our heads. Yeah, um, the chocolate box kind of yeah garden. Yeah, picket fence, and it's just it's just a lovely and, consummate place to be. And a UFO. Now there probably weren't too many UFOs sitting in Victoria. I wouldn't imagine. No, we didn't expect it either. To be honest, is that right? Okay, <laughs> what inspired you to come up with this? Uh, thought process let's say um, I, I've been searching my head to see I, I don't analyse my thoughts because they just pop in mm. uh, the prop uh, was there from another event and it just said well this needs to be to be used again so that's kind of where it came from and um yeah, it just seemed to have landed in the Phoenix Park. <laughs> and you built it up and around hopefully them. it will disappear from there soon enough as well. <laughs> all right. Now, uh, you're not a full-time gardener at all. No. Tell us no. what you do in real life. Uh, I'm trained to be a pharmacist. I trained on the road in Trinity and um, loved it and felt after 30 years of working as a pharmacist, uh, it was time to come back and revisit. So I'm revisiting uh, in the Bloom Show. Right. So, um, yeah, 30 years. But I've been gardening um, on and off ever since. I love it. I love the outdoors. So it's it's been a kind of a hobby for you? Very while, much. While you, and do you find it restful or kind of oh, space Oh, therapeutic. Away? I love the outdoors. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm lucky where I am in my shop in Dungarvan in that it's uh, looking out in the sea. So I'm always connected with the outside. But um, I pretty much rise with the with the dawn and go to bed when it's dark. Mm. And I live outside. I love it, yeah. So uh, gardening is just an extension of that and I, I kind of immerse myself in it. And it's not that much of a left turn really because so much of the um, medicines and pharmaceuticals that we use are of course plant derived. Well they certainly were it's probably changing a little yeah. bit now but they were and uh, yeah there is a, one of the shows show gardens has that medicine theme going through it Poisons and Plants I think it is it's close to me and that's lovely it's worth, worth a look at but yeah that's where it all derived from like mm. aspirin was from the, the bark of the willow tree and that's one of the first drugs we uh, we kind of uh, made into a capsule and mm. um, we're all still taking it you know so and of course more people now are growing herbs they're growing food possibly since Covid but also the cost to live in crisis and it's great that you know people are going back to back to that maybe and utilising the space that was just a lawn before now putting your hands into the soil and, and, and dabbling with plants is very therapeutic um, I'd advise anyone to try it just get out there and give yourself a, give it a go yeah. because um, fresh air is good for the mind to get out of that computer yeah. screen Yeah, indeed, indeed and uh, what's next for you now after Bloom are you going to continue with the gardening do you, do you take on commissions or is it just no, purely No, I certainly private? don't no, this is purely for fun Yeah, um, I'll park it um, for a little while and get back to work and uh, do the day job but no, I'll, I'll, my eyes are open I'm ready for another challenge whatever it will be uh, this is certainly a great fun and I've met some brilliant people up here. It's so well organised. It's a lovely event to be at. And we'll play it by ear. I kind of, I wing it. I kind of go from one thing to the next, but <laughs> right, I enjoy okay. it. I enjoy the ride. So you, don't, you, don't, you don't know yet what you'll be doing in the future, Not but you're going to have fun. Not a clue. All right, Joe Kelly, uh, designer of Out of This World Garden. And if you want to see Joe and perhaps come across uh, the little aliens who have uh, migrated to his fabulously small garden in um, Don't Bloom. Don't them, be very well, careful. Be, all right, you can go and see them, of course, at the festival. And of course, it's not all about gardens and gardening, although that is a major part of it. It is also about food uh, and who better to talk to us about what is going on there and what we can expect and maybe give us some tips. Edward Hayden, chef and food writer. Edward, you're very welcome to the home show. What are the big mistakes that people make when they take out the barbecue? We don't get to use it at all, Sinead, and that's why we should take full advantage of it. And I certainly do that down here in Greg the Manor. Listen, there's a couple of things that people uh, tend to to make mistakes with. One of which I think they overcomplicate it and they try to 
offer too much of a choice or too much of a variety to whether it's their family or whether it's guests. So what I tend to do is maybe sometimes if I'm having a few people around, do larger items. So think of putting two or three whole chickens on it. Think of putting a butterfly leg of lamb on it. Rather than trying to be doing 40 chicken skewers and burgers and sausages and bits of steak and frying up a fish or whatever. So sometimes, you know, the domestic barbecues that we have at home are not conducive to kind of cooking a multitude of things for a crowd. So Sinead, you just think of getting your butcher to spatchcock a chicken for you, Mm. then bring it home very simply, put some Cajun spice, maybe like two teaspoons of Cajun spice, put the zest of a lime on it, put maybe a tablespoon of chopped coriander and two tablespoons of our beautiful Irish rapeseed oil. Get on your vinyl gloves and give that a good massage into it. The very same, Sinead, as if you were doing your fake tan with a mist. Make sure every bit is covered. Leave it to marinate in a lovely bowl and then put that on the barbecue and allow that to cook. And Sinead, the key thing that I always say to people in terms of mistakes, now, men get great, um, get great, um, what's the opposite to praise? Um, Appropriate. They get given out to. They get given out to with regard to poking and prodding things on the barbecue. So I will say, if you're doing the whole chicken in that format, pull down the lid. Use the barbecue almost like an oven. So obviously sear it on one side then sear it on the other side, but pull down the lid. And leave it, it, and leave it alone, is that it? And stop turning leave and turning alone. and turning. Because that's Absolutely. what we do, because it's in front of us and we feel we have to be doing something. We do, it's the temptation. And then by the time you're finished with it, you end up with a battered chicken rather than a batched <laughs> cop chicken right. with legs and thighs completely falling off and disjointed. But that's a gorgeous way. And as I said, if you're having a crowd, do two or three of those. Get out your gorgeous platter and put them once they're cooked on the platter and let people just tear them apart or cut them into segments and then serve some gorgeous simple salads with it. Make it simple because we'll never get this opportunity to enjoy ourselves again until next summer comes. Indeed. And when you talk there about um, marinating the chicken in it, is it a good idea when you're barbecuing meat to always marinate it in advance um, because it kind of, uh, uh, the oil helps on the barbecue but also those flavours go into the meat? Absolutely. It's really important to try and allow the flavours to kind of infuse into the meat. Now, a couple of things uh, I will say to you in regard to marinades with with regard to cautionary advice. Oil is a really good marinade. It's a really good marinade because it works with you on the barbecue. Obviously, the heat and the charred bars work really nicely. Depending on the type of a barbecue you have, um, yogurt is not always ideal. If you have a barbecue mm. that has maybe fine little um, bars, or even if you have one that has a little slack plate, then yogurt works for fabulously, and it is a fabulous flavour for it. Um, then just things, think of things like honey, soy sauce, sweet chilli sauce. All of those work really well, but maybe not necessarily as a full marinade because they can tend to char and burn your food and char and burn it in advance of cooking it. So what I would be more inclined to say is start off with like your oil and herb and garlic and aromatic based marinade. And then when the food is almost cooked, 
then maybe brush it with some of your honey and sweet chilli and your soya to get that nice little tiny bits of charred, sticky um, flavours, but yeah. not throughout because it will burn and it will be unpleasant to eat and unhealthy to eat. Yeah, and of course, the minute you see it, the meat blackening, which can be gorgeous, you know, it can look mm. lovely. It doesn't mean it's cooked on the inside, so you do have to be a bit careful. Now, a controversial question, Edward, uh, on the old barbecue, gas or charcoal? <laughs> Sinead, you're throwing me under the bus. <laughs> now, I can only answer this to you in one way and tell you that the barbecue that I have out in my little back courtyard is a gas barbecue. <gasps> and I'll tell you why, Sinead, before you judge me. <laughs> <laughs> no, the reason is it's instant, it's quick. And, yeah, you yeah. know, we often don't get a huge lead in time for the barbecue. I've cooked on charcoal and it's absolutely fabulous. But um, it's not it's not always practical because you mightn't have that hour or two to let the barbecue heat up while you're waiting to... Um, to char it. Indeed. But the charcoal is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Now, you can cheat it a little bit. So I might sometimes, in my barbecue, I have a little few herb pots. Now, I'm not a robust gardener, but I have a few herb pots here with thyme and rosemary. And I might often throw those on the bars along with the food. I might get a couple of sticks of lemon grass or whatever and throw that on in the same vein. All right. And that gives you the flavour. I, I cheat it a little bit, Sinead. And what will you be doing now? Bring us up to date with the bloom that's on this weekend. What are you going to be doing there? Is it food demos? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I absolutely adore bloom. And it is a feast of food and gardening under God's blue sky. And uh, we're certainly going to have that this weekend again. So I'm going to be doing some lovely cookery demonstrations um, and I was also actually judging the other day for um, some special awards they're doing as part of a TV show. So I'm very busy at Bloom, but I am 100% a Bloom fan and look forward to meeting all of the attendees again there this year. And the marriage of food and garden, Sinead, is just a marriage made in heaven. It is indeed. All right. Well, certainly with you at the helm, Edward, <laughs> uh, people cannot go wrong with that. All made right. Fantastic. OK, well, listen, people can find out more about you at edwardhayden.ie, of course, and at Edward Entertains uh, across all the social media. You're on it all. You do it all. You give us all the content that we need. <laughs> and listen, thanks a million and the very best of luck and I hope Bloom goes fabulously as always for you. And um, and, and maybe you'll come on the show later on in the year and, and we can talk about other things. Love to. Thanks, Sinead. And uh, Bloom, of course, if people want to find out more at Board Be a Bloom or hashtag uh, Board Be a Bloom if people want to find out a little bit more about that and get along to it. Edward Hayden, thank you so much. And before uh, that, Joe Kelly from Washford with his fabulous garden. Now, the Royal Hibernian Academy of Arts on Dublin's Eli Place marks its 200th anniversary with a host of celebrations to commemorate two centuries of promoting and showcasing contemporary Irish art. And joining me now in studio is its director, uh, Patrick Murphy. You're very welcome. Thank you uh, so much. Show it's great studio. to be here. Good to be here. 200 years now, it's seen a lot of changes. Two states for a start. That's right. One one century under the crown and one century under yeah. the republic. So it's extraordinary. It was founded in, in 1823, really um, as a way to um, create a space in Dublin to show contemporary art at that time, you know, the early 19th century contemporary art. Because um, with, the, with the Act of Union, everyone sort of 
moving over to London. There was a real dearth of commerce here. So the artists wanted to get this Royal Charter to set up an academy in order to display their art, but also to sell their art because that was their income for the year. Mm. And the exhibition, the first exhibition was held in, in, in 1826 in Lower Abbey Street. And, uh, and now it's 193rd exhibition. So it's been, everything's been going a long time for the academy. So in the 200 years, even though all the changes that have happened within Ireland, its purpose never wavered. Is that is that? That's correct. It? Its purpose has always been for the betterment of the visual arts and architecture in Ireland. And we haven't been doing great in architecture. Uh, we're getting more, to, we're putting more concentration <laughs> on that. But no, it's never changed. It's really to highlight and push like the best contemporary artists working today to the public. Mm. And it's that, I think it's that sense of artists and public that really, really distinguishes the Academy. We really have a big public. We do. But some of that public, you know, may be of the view that art can be a little bit highbrow. It's not for them. It's a little bit, I don't know a lot about it or I don't know what questions to ask. D- do you think that maybe, you know, it, it can be seen as an elitist kind of a, a, a an occupation for, for it, people? It's, it's interesting because you've just done that piece of bloom and it's a bit like gardening. You know, you learn how to garden. You learn how to look at art. And the only way you learn how to look at art, the same way as gardening, is to go out and start Do looking it. at it. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. And it is very interesting that, like, it's, it. I mean, artists want to communicate. They don't want to obfuscate. They don't want to to uh, to be, you know, hermetic. They actually want to say things to you. They don't want to say things about beauty. Sometimes they want to say things about social issues. They want to say things to you through their medium. And... Um, so I really think I'd encourage anybody who hasn't been to the RHA or to the annual exhibition to come along. There's 560 works. I guarantee you can't leave that building without finding something, something you like. You like. like. Yeah, yeah. Or something you hate, which yeah, is well, fine too. Very important. <laughs> Isn't it? It's often okay. said that it's easier to define what you dislike than what you like. Oh, right. So an old art history professor of mine, Anne Cruikshank, used to always say that, like, talk about the work you don't like and to realise why you may not like it. Mm. So in that way, you're sort of teaching yourself about what you do like. But it's easier to find the words for what you don't like. Yeah. It's human yeah, nature. Indeed. Right? Yeah. Indeed. Now, you've a range of events and exhibitions and yeah. all of that to commemorate the bicentennial. So talk to me a little bit about what's on uh, this yeah. year. Well, there's some, some long-term projects like the um, like on POST, for instance. We start working You're with them. You're getting a new stamp. We're getting two new stamps. Wow. It's brilliant, right? You know you've made it. <laughs> you know you've made it. <laughs> We're getting, finally getting our blue plaque. That's because the Academy originally for, from 1826 to 1916 was on Lower Abbey Street beside Wynn's Hotel. And during the rising, it, it got hit by a shell and it went up, it, it went in, it inflamed, we lost everything. But there's a spar there now and we hope to get a blue pack on the spar, spar. Say, saying that the RHA <laughs> was here from 1823 to 1916. Lordy, isn't so that, I don't know what that's a, a testament to, but a yeah. blue plaque on a spar. Yeah. Okay, is that good? all right. I and don't then, know. And then there's a... I'm not there's sure a, she is. There's a funny thing. The, in, in, when you're founded as a royal, a royal charter, so that's, say, Trinity's that way, the Royal College of Surgeons, the RDS, yeah. it's quite a big parchment. It's, it's all handwritten. And, and like it hasn't been, it was updated in 1851, but it hasn't been updated since. Yeah. Now, in order to update it, we so have to... 1851, that's Victoria's reign. Victoria's reign, yeah. yeah. So, so it was Charles III, I think, signed the first yeah. one. Then Victoria signed the amendment. And now we have to go to the Dáil to get it amended again. Because there's crazy things in it. It's like we can't meet more than 10 miles from Dublin, from the centre of the city. That's because it was a horse ride. You know, and we're a national body, so we should be meeting all over the country. You know, we're going to get rid. We want to increase our membership from 
um, 55 to, to, or from 35 to 55. So we have to go to the Dáil to get these changes made. Quite extraordinary. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. And again, a long, okay. long term. But the fun part, the fun things we're doing is we're doing an exhibition with the National Gallery called It Took a Century. Because believe it or not, it took a century to elect the first woman to be a member of the Academy. And it took yeah. another well, century. Well, when you think it was kind of the early 19th century, yeah. you wouldn't be the only body accused That's of, correct. of uh, you know, yeah. kind of uh, airbrushing women out of history yeah. or, or having, having them in their place. You have redeemed yourselves since. We have indeed. We have both elected our first uh, female president, uh, Dr. Abigail O'Brien, but also there is actually parity in the, in, in the, in the um, RHA now. There are 24 women and 24 men. Okay. So we got that bit of diversity. Now we have other challenges on diversity yeah. in the head, but we're doing this exhibition with the National Gallery that will look at the 26 women that were um, posthumously that have passed away, but were members of the Academy since 1820, since 1923, and also then the current 24 women. And so that'll be a great show because it'll be it's just it'll just be a, a very exciting to see that manifest in the National Gallery. Okay, and if people now want to find out a little bit more about it or discover what's on, because you said Patrick, it's um, it's nationwide, and of course you do have events yes. and uh, kind of exhibitions all over the country. Yeah. Uh, Balna Civic Offices, yeah. um, you are in. Um, at the Museum of Art down in Mayo. Yes, lots yeah. and lots of places yes, that people yeah, can go. Well, I, I think from the Academy's point of view, the West has been really important. The West in the 19th century, as Connemara, mm. speak of Paul Henry, Paul Henry, all yeah. of those wonderful landscapes, and then that during the twi- during the last sort of 50 years, that's actually migrated to North Mayo, because the North Mayo is pretty wild and it's pretty inexpensive, and artists have started buying houses and working out of North okay. Mayo. So that it was a, really to pay respect to the what the West has given to us in our artistic heritage. So that's why we're doing those shows in Badla. Okay. And where can people find out now the list of what's on? And they what can they find that out on www.rhagallery.ie. Wonderful. All right. Um, and there are lots of exhibitions for the whole of the year because the yes. whole 200 years and uh, and people can, can One check One of the most out. exciting things we're yeah. doing is for the last two weeks in October, we're having a festival of making. So all of the public spaces, all of the galleries will be turned over to artists to be making work there. So pe- people can come in, oh, right, okay. see how work's being made participate there'll be sort of like they can pick up uh, pencils sure they won't things. need anybody's help <laughs> <laughs> exactly so, go in and so, daub a bit of pay you, that's you right. missed a bit there that's right they'll, 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 get, they'll get professional instruction <laughs> right, and that okay. should be great fun for two weeks the last two weeks in October ah brilliant okay yeah, and right. of course a lot of your events are completely free of charge completely and, free and everything is free okay yeah. fantastic alright well listen I, d- thank you for coming in and joining us uh, Director of the RHA uh, Patrick T. Murphy and thanks a million terrific talk to you thank you And you're very welcome back to the Home Show podcast uh, produced by News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan. Now, whatever you're doing this summer, whatever type of holiday you're going on, some people will, of course, be going camping. They'll be taking a mobile home in France or Italy and enjoying all the facilities. But we have none of that on the home show. We are we are value for money, <laughs> if nothing else. Uh, and we are going to be talking all things camping with Jennifer Sheen. Jennifer, you're well, very welcome to the studio. We're staying closer to home. Oregon basement camping. You are actually going camping. I am putting all garden. of this to the test. Yeah. Shout out to my girls who are coming with me this weekend to our friend's garden. It's going to be great. 
is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what is the plan? Not sure. I will tell you, I've made this mistake before. Twice in the past, I've done this, right? Where it seems like a beautiful night. It happened to me last summer. You remember the heat wave and I was melting in my tiny little house. It just got way too hot. And I lay out on my little garden floor and I thought I could just sleep here. I don't have to go and install air conditioning. I can just lie out here and I'll get away from the heat. And it was nice for a while. And then you wake up very early, way too early, mm. covered in dew. Oh, quite, quite You damp. couldn't have predicted that, Jennifer. It's not lovely. No, it's not lovely. Shocking. No. So <laughs> something to avoid. Something to avoid. Okay. Use so shelter. <laughs> if you are going to sleep in your back garden this weekend or any weekend, uh, probably best to do it with some kind of covering, as yes. you say. And for that, of course, we are talking about tents. Uh, not just for kids. Not just for kids. No, for everyone. Especially good for kids. But, you know, great for everyone. So, yeah. It's, uh, if camping in your own back garden, I mean, it's such an adventure. It's such a just get out of the house, get away from the TV, turn off Netflix and just go outside and do something different. So, you know, it's... it's <laughs> take take it's like, uh, several hours to pitch it. And it's not... Yeah. <laughs> take several hours to pitch it, but it's a lovely way to explore the concept. If you think you do want to go off to France or you do want to go off to Spain and you, you know, you'd prefer a longer camping holiday... Great way to test it out. Just do it in your back garden. There's a toilet right there. You don't have to go full rugged. Mm, mm. Try it. Okay. Yeah. Right. So uh, in terms of now kind of putting it down and getting a tarp and getting the tent over it, um, essentials? Yeah. So you definitely need the the water resistant floor covering. This is key because you will wake up quite damp, even if it feels like a really warm, dry day. Water will will seep through, and so you need to something put the on nice the floor. Camp bed and duvet yeah. on, isn't yeah. that it? Yeah, I mean, we do want like you're not actually going to be sleeping on the floor, are you? You're not going to be sleeping on the floor floor. Okay. So then the next thing you really need is some kind of a blow up mattress. This yeah. is these have come such a long way from like the squeaky, leaky, horrible mattresses of the past. Little blow up mattresses they can they can actually be very very thin. They don't have to be these big huge things. Yeah, you can get ones that you plug in if you have. You know, if you're still in your house, that's the benefit. You can, you don't have to stand there pumping it up okay, all night. Yeah. And they do stay, you know, they do stay quite full. They don't leak. So uh, a nice little roll out blow up mattress will keep you really comfortable. Well, you say that, except I did do that uh, once at Electric Picnic. Never again, folks. Um, <laughs> and it deflated during the night. So I found myself lying on earth and stones and whatever it was. I don't know what so you I'm, got, but I, I, I you're must have pretty, done that right. <laughs> they're, they're pretty good these days. You can also just get, you can get quite thin roll out camping mats, kind of like a yoga mat. Yeah. For me, I don't love that. I'm a side sleeper. So that's not quite soft enough for me. It doesn't give me enough, um, it doesn't give me enough uh, protection. But if you're a back sleeper or if you're a front sleeper, that's probably fine. Okay. All right. So if you're out in the back garden, um, you you know, you don't really need to bring a whole heap with you and just make sure that you're covered in something. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, for for a bit of fun and, you know, something that maybe the kids can get involved in, the old teepees are funny, aren't they? I am. I was, I looked at these, you know, thinking, they're probably a bit of a waste. But actually, I think I might prefer them to tents now. I think they might be I think they might be the superior do we choice. Know, do we know the definition? A tent and a teepee and a yurt. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, and then within that family there's a whole bunch of things. So a teepee has that triangular structure. Okay. And it actually is more sturdy. 
which is great. And then a traditional teepee will have a vent or a hole at the top so that you can have your your campfire inside okay, if you want to. Okay, let's not try that one at all. Please home, don't folks, do that. <laughs> Please don't set your house on that. <laughs> right. Um, so the teepee, they are cuter. It's they kind lovely. of got a kind of a nice wokey vibe about yeah. it and it's a bit hippie. They're a bit more spacious. You can mm. stand in them and they're easier to, to put up because there's one central pole yeah. So you, you lie oh, it down flat, okay. you stick in all your, your bits and bobs around in a, in a circle and you kind of attach it to the ground and then you put that one pole up in the middle. Oh, and right. it is a bit faster and it, it's uh, it's easier for one person. Not necessarily cheaper? Not necessarily. I had to look around and I couldn't see much for under the 500 <gasps> euro mark. Okay. Because they're quite big. You know, yeah, they need a bit of, yeah, a, yeah. A, a, bit of a, a surface area. I found a lovely one on boutiquecamping.com. They have a classic kind of a, a bell tent and... When I say about the teepees that they have a vent on top, that means that rain can get in as well, which is a problem for Ireland. This one comes with a little rain cap, so you're fine. <laughs> and that was 238 and it got really, really good reviews and that was okay. brilliant. If it's just the kids that are out the back, mm. IKEA have a lovely one for 40 euro. So, you know, yeah. that could and be a And it's good and option. actually it works as a kind of a little play, play yeah. area and a, yeah. little, a little kind of... Uh, and they're so cute. They look gorgeous. Toy. They yeah. look lovely. Okay. Now, other outdoor items. I know because you've mentioned it before, you're a big fan of the hammock. My favourite thing. My favourite item in my house is my hammock. I bought do this last summer. Do you have sweeping oak trees I on your tiny terrace? <laughs> do I? I do not. No. In my little two by two back garden, what I did was I went to Screwfix and I got two plate uh, hooks. They take 100 kilos each, these little things. And then uh, my fabulous contractor, Jason, put them up for me. And that they're just there on the wall all year round. And then I have my hammock rolled up and stored away. It takes up no space at all. And then on a nice sunny day, like we've had roll it out and I lie out there for the day and it is divine. I love it. You see now, that sounds very nice. I'm thinking how, you know, my fear with hammocks, and this is a lived fear, (laughs) is the getting into them and the getting out of them. There's no elegance involved here really, is there? I mean, look, the fear is valid and there's no overcoming (laughs) it, right? There is no good way to get in or out of a hammock unless you're a cat, right? That's just is what it is. You can, if you have the space, you can buy those ones that have a, a pole structure along the top of it. So it spreads out the, the ropes as they, uh, as they, come into the hammock shape. <laughs> so it's kind of permanently stretched out. It doesn't roll up into a co- okay. cocoon. With you in it. Yeah. With, you, <laughs> with you in it. So if you have the space for that, I didn't because mine's at an angle and it just, it was yeah, in a so corner and it didn't work. So just a fabric hammock. Mine's so just you, a fabric it, one. So it's a bit of a... I've been cocooned. Is it like, I'm trying to now do this, is it like bottom first and swing your legs <laughs> yeah, up or yeah. do you have a better technique? There's a, there's a kind of a, there's a kind of an yeah, a, a, a bottom first I'm approach. Glad this is radio because you're just <laughs> demonstrating this beautifully for us. Right? You've the hands out on either yeah. side, gripping the edge of the hammock. You're really going, you know, backside first into it, and then you 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 kind of at some point just have to let trust take over and fall into it and hope that it doesn't. Well, you can't spin do around. that with too much momentum. No, or you end up no. over the other side, don't you? No. All right, okay. Yeah. Folks, it's not elegant, but once you're in, you're in and it's fabulous. Any tips on getting in and out of a hammock, please (laughs) let us know, 53106. And if you have a photograph, well, that'll be even better. I'm sure there's a YouTube guide that you can follow on it. I still recommend them. I think it's worth it. Okay, so plate hook. So um, what price would one of those be? I got mine for €59 on hammockgiant.com. It it was, you know, and it's it's fabulous. It's a gorgeous, multicoloured, striped 
soft material I, okay. I love it alright yeah. yeah. um, and the bean bags now are always popular inside yeah. and outside all year round and um, they've some lovely ones I saw recently like these are the giant big neon yeah kind of sit on again not dissimilar problems with the hammock getting in and out of it's them. It's not. <laughs> out in particular. Talk to me about uh, the type of outdoor beanbags. Once you're in, you're in. I, has Love Island brought back the beanbag? Is that where the resurgence came from? I'm not sure. They've been around for donkey's years. They come in, they come out. They're they're in style, they're out of style. I feel they're very much in style at the moment and they are really handy because they're so easy to move around, throw into a corner, mm. store them away, mm. you know, much easier than kind of dealing with folding up a, a deck chair or something like that. So they've lovely ones. Elephant Living has a nice one. There's a gorgeous one in Arnett's at the moment. Fat Boy uh, have one. It's that beautiful kind of seaside stripe pattern. Mm. It's lovely. Uh, it's €249, Euro, so it's not cheap. Marks and Spencer's have some nice plain ones for €96, Euro, which isn't bad for like a, a big comfortable outdoor structure yeah. and you can get a few of them and you know you can sit around and you could throw a projector up and you could be having your drinks and it's you know it's 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 a it's a good piece of furniture now so for the full kumbaya experience then we're looking at um <laughs> illegal substances uh, the <laughs> Well, clearly, at this hour in the day, we are not advocating that uh, on the home show. It's certainly not on News Talk. I am more thinking about kind of the little fairy lights and the lanterns oh, and yeah. all that. Because you have to like crucial, go the whole isn't it? Crucial. Fairy lights are a no-brainer. I mean, there's no reason not to have fairy lights all over your back garden or festoons, especially solar ones. So I got mine from the solar centre. Uh, you, they just come with a little solar panel and you put that up facing the sun and they charge up all day and they're litting away all I night and they're beautiful. I got a tube light in deals of all places. I think it was about like seven quid. Yeah. A little solar panel and it's a very, very, very long tube of lights and I, I spiralled it around a big old tree I have oh, in my garden. And do you know what? At night it comes out. It looks a lot better than the sum of the parts if you yeah, need So they yeah. are kind of cute and there's no energy involved. You're not plugging them nope. in anywhere. You're not plugging them in. They yeah. charge up all day. Okay. And then added to that what I love for the ultimate back garden camping experience is bunting. So that lovely fabric bunting, stick it up, strew it around. It's lovely kind of festival oh, vibe. It's really nice. Yeah. Carolyn Donnelly and Dunn Stores has really nice if you want ah, to go extravagant. Stuff in there at the moment, this, I'm going to yeah. butcher the pronunciation, but the Sostrina Green. Sostrina Green. Sostrina yeah. Green. Okay. Yeah, they have yeah. lovely stuff as well. So yeah, Great. beautiful. Okay, lovely. All right, you can get that festival vibe uh, going with whatever you want to accompany it with. All right. Um, uh, listen to me, Jennifer. Uh, I hope your camping trip <laughs> goes well. I hope you survive enough to come back to us the next time and tell us all about it. Uh, and of course, I, I presume this garden is attached to a lovely warm yes. house. That, yes. If all else fails. Yeah. yeah. Comfortable beds are back mere steps away so okay. I think we'll be okay. Well listen the very best to look with it and of course you can catch up on Jennifer and all she does on uh, her Instagram site which is The Workers Cottage uh, and that is all we have time for this week this bank holiday weekend whether you're going to Bloom or you're doing anything else or camping in your back garden well do enjoy it and have an absolutely fabulous time and if you'd like to get involved in the show uh, if you have a question or a topic you'd like us to cover we always love to hear from you so it's bank holiday sit down write us an email thehomeshow at newstalk.com uh, and let us know what you are thinking about thanks to Eva for being producing on sound Stephen McLoon and Peter Malloy up next of course it's Anton Savage have a fantastic weekend and remember we'll be back next Saturday at 8 The Home Show with Sinead Ryan with Colour Trend Paint on News Talk.